Hello there. Welcome to our show. My name is Doshima Dapoyewale and I'm the founder of the Early Birth Foundation. It's my pleasure to present the six-part series podcast, My Neonatal Story. This show is our contribution to celebrations for World Prematurity Day 2021. Please share with your friends and family, leave us a comment and follow us on Instagram at EBFNIG. Up next, I'll introduce today's guest. Thank you so much for listening. Hola, thank you so much for taking out the time to share your story for World Prematurity Day. So I think I'm going to start from your Instagram page first of all, because when I found myself in you four years ago, a friend of mine was like, oh, you know, this lady started this age. Hopefully, you know, you will find something useful on the page. And one of the things I loved about age, I said I would tell you, was just how many people of color and babies of color are on the page. Because at that point in time, I just kept thinking like, Okay, I think all the images and hearing all these things about Caucasian children, but my child is not Caucasian. <laughs> so it was really making me worry, like, how is this going to turn out? What is his journey going to be like? So thank you so much for running your page and giving us something to look at, you know, something inspirational that is very, very relatable. So thank you for that. So I'm going to hand it over to you now. Stop blabbing, but just tell <laughs> us about your journey, your family. How old is your child now? Where were they born? How did your whole new journey thank you so much first of all thank you for the opportunity i know i'm privileged to share my story with not just you but the whole world and thank you for your kind words in regards to the work i do with colorful beginnings um i couldn't have done what i'm doing with colorful beginnings if not for the grace of god and the support of the people you know we're supporting me and sharing their story so one of the reasons why i started Colorful beginnings is when i had my baby there wasn't that platform there wasn't that community so i wanted to be that bridge to other family you know support other families is going through the NICU experience because as you know it can be a very lonely scary heartbreaking experience so yeah. that's one of the reasons why um, Colorful Beginnings came into existence so um, basically my name is Ola I've got two two daughters uh, my first was born at 23 weeks she weighed 540 grams and my second was born at 29 weeks and she weighed 1 kg wow <laughs> yeah well with my first really it was all a shock Um, had the perfect pregnancy no morning sickness nothing most of the time I had I don't even realize I'm pregnant. I'm still able to do the things I was doing. I had more energy than before I got pregnant. So, you know, just carrying on with my day-to-day activities until I was um, about 21 weeks okay. out of the blue. Um, this might be a bit um, too much TMI. But was... <laughs> <laughs> so when when to the um, loo on this page today, I was talking to my husband because he had made his way to work. Just talking to my husband, keeping it to the company. And then I realized I was only maybe there opening my ladder. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I realized I'd been there for so long you know when you you're sitting down on the toilet seat and you're thinking oh and then i tried to hold my pelvic muscle when i did that the, the flow shot as soon as i let go it just gushes out oh wow and then i looked i looked in the i got scared of it. i looked in the toilet bowl and i was filled with blood oh wow and i was like what i told my husband this is what's happening because i come down oh you know don't 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 panic he tried to reassure me and i was like oh he was like you know was trying to reassure me that okay maybe it's nothing serious let's just take it easy i called the ambulance they're like they're not there were no ambulances so they're gonna 
send a paramedic. Yeah, they sent a paramedic. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what do you mean? What? Where were the ambulances? Like, um, well, apparently, I guess I wasn't tough. I was on the priority list for those days sending ambulance out to attend to my assumption. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, they did send, um, they sent the paramedic. And mm-hmm. I said, this time, my husband was still on the phone with me, wow. trying to research and check what may be wrong. You know, wow. he had his research hat on, trying to, oh, what, what could it be? What could it be? So, you know, we're still trying to tell me, you know, do you know, don't worry about it. Don't panic. Just be calm. Paramedic came. The paramedic did come quite quickly. So I'm assuming the paramedic was already in the area. Uh-huh. The paramedic came, um, assessed me and said, we need to get you to the hospital. At the time, I had my onesie on. So my night, my nighties, I had, it was winter time. Mm-hmm. I had a winter woolly, fleecy nighty onesie on. And it was all oh, wow. And at this point, I was getting scared. But my husband wow. was still trying to assure me that don't worry, nothing's going to happen. Just keep calm. The paramedic guy calling to say, we, we need to get her to hospital. And they kept saying, we have no ambulance. And all. it took us four to five minutes. They wow. had to start um, IV in my living room. <laughs> in your <laughs> living room. Wow. Yeah, wow. I was just losing, I was losing so much blood. Um, ambulance finally came. I couldn't walk at the point. So they had me in a wheelchair, wheeled me to the ambulance, got me to the hospital. And as soon as I got to the hospital, you know, they'd already called the hospital and we informed them what was happening. So they had already prepared a side room for me. And the midwife, God bless her, she was so lovely. I can't remember her name. But such a beautiful lady, beautiful soul, spoke to me, tried to reassure me, um, got me comfortable, you know, took the, took the ones that off me, gave me a gown, which we all know is not very decent and dignity. <laughs> if you're trying to protect, if you're trying to protect your privacy, your dignity, that, that gown is not what you need. But she, wow. she did, she gave me, she gave me the official gown, you know, just tried to make me feel comfortable and then she said she'll get a doctor. And then a female doctor walked in and she was like, oh, I'm just going to assess you. She did. She was like, well, your membranes are open they've ruptured so there's nothing we can do <clears throat> babies less than 24 weeks have no chance they're not viable so because you're 21 weeks there's nothing we can do we're just gonna wait for the baby to come and we classify it as a miscarriage what? and I was like pardon I was like yeah there's nothing there's nothing we can do you're 21 weeks you're already 4 centimeters dilated we can't do anything we're just gonna wait for the baby to come we take care of the miscarriage and obviously that's not what any parents want to hear whether it's your first child or your exactly. child exactly <laughs> and I just I just busted up into tears I was crying and what really got to me was she then told the midwife when she finished crying pull me back in and she walked out of the room wait all of just wait like you know I, I mean you've blown my mind like we this thing isn't even five minutes in and like you've already blown my mind on multiple levels that I'm just confused right now okay I, I couldn't believe it the dog okay I was, my jaw literally dropped she said that when you finished crying pull you yeah, back yeah that's the exact word I'm not even paraphrasing I'm yeah, exact word when she finished crying pulled me back in my room and she walked out wow again less the midwife she was trying so hard wow because I'm sure she herself must have been shocked but she had to put that aside to just make sure I was comfortable you know she tried to say oh don't worry we'll do, we'll do our very best make sure you and baby you're fine do you want me to call anyone do you want me to call her she could, I told her she could have her call my husband she did and then she explained everything to my husband what the doctor said my husband backed me and again encouraging me that don't worry nothing's going to happen to the baby nothing's going to happen to you everyone's going to be fine and he's going to make his way down to the hospital and I told the midwife I said can I please be left alone I, I want to be left alone please. and she's like okay if you need anything if you need me she pressed the buzzer she um, gave me the button she moved it closer to me she was so sweet I couldn't fault her there was nothing to fault about the midwife and then I, I just started crying and I told God I said this is it now I need you to prove yourself I need you to show your power like, I want this child is not, I don't want this child to die but if you want people to ask me where my God is who I've been serving all these years then don't do anything I just, and at that moment I felt an unusual peace it 
felt as if someone held me close and made me know, don't worry, it's gonna be okay. And from that moment, I just had this unusual peace, unusual assurance that nothing's gonna happen to myself or my baby. And that was the, I didn't realize that was the beginning of my journey, but I just, I felt at peace that God answered me. And I felt God in that room, that God actually came down for me to feel him physically. Now, don't worry, I've got you. So, um, evening time, I'm gonna try and fast forward because it's a very long story. Evening time came, another doc, my husband was already with me at this point. So the evening doctors, um, nice doctor came, they took over. She came, she didn't even do any assessments, nothing. And she's like, oh, we're just waiting for the baby to come and then we can just pass as a miscarriage. And at this point, my husband got upset. My husband was like, you're a doctor, you've just come and shift, you have an assessment, but then you're making a decision. And she said, well, there's nothing to assess. The, the consultant in the morning already did the assessment and she said, we're just waiting for a miscarriage. And my husband was like, that's not good enough. You need to do your own assessment. And bearing in mind, we've only just moved to the area, but this wasn't my initial original hospital. Yeah. I should have had my baby. But at that point, they had to take me to the nearest hospital to my house. So my husband was like, do you know where? I need out of this hospital because it looks like you guys don't know what you're doing. I need it back to the original hospital. The midwife on, in charge that day, that shift that shit was back. It's too late to do the transfer. And um, moreover, they have to speak to the hospital if they have a spare bed. Can we please stay the night? And then they'll try and put the transfer out the next morning. And my husband was like, okay, fine. But the first, the first thing the next day, I need it out of this hospital. So we agreed to stay the night. And then the second day, again, I'm a Christian, so you would hear a lot of God, God, God in my story. Because my story wouldn't be complete if I don't give the glory to God Almighty. Um, another consultant came. This time was a guy. He came into the room. He said, "Oh, I heard you want to get transfer." This husband was with me. And my husband literally just took. I can't, I can't, I can't thank God enough for the man I married. He was my rock when I just, I just crumbled. And my husband said, "Yeah, this is what happened. I'm not confident of service that she's getting it. So I need that help." And then the consultant came. He said, "He said exactly what the lady said the previous day, but in a more empathetic, loving, caring way." Yeah. The day before, the consultant stood over me. But on this particular day, this male consultant came down to my level, spoke to me eyeball to eyeball, you know? I didn't feel intimidated. I didn't feel someone was hovering over me and just yeah. telling me, dishing out what to do. And he said, rather instead of leaving, you can take me to the letter, try and do a cervical stitch. There's no guarantee for something. You can buy us more time. Yeah. And my husband was like, okay, myself and my husband was like, okay, she's going to buy us more time. We'll go for it. And then time for the surgery, well, before the surgery, came with the form, told us all the um, benefits and the risk. And he said, there's a risk of losing mom or losing mom and baby or losing mm-hmm. baby so he had to tell us all this risk. and you know my husband was like when you get to church I, I, could, I can't imagine how you must have been feeling because no one should ever be put in a position where you have to choose your wife or your child yeah. and he said when you get to church the risk outweighs the benefit can you, can you not like count if the, if the risk is more than the benefit fast forward you know they did all the we signed the form consent form we went to church he wasn't allowed obviously so he wasn't he went to the car to wait for me and at that moment he said all three was just praying and again and that on that bed I was just praying that you know God you just take control because you've already given him that assurance that nothing would happen to my baby two hours later they finished a procedure and um, what's it called the consultant said well done thank God or thank the man of this because obviously there's restrictions on how religious you, you can be yeah exactly so obviously it was like, oh, thank the man of this I got the gist and I was just like okay fine it's done I'm happy I was taking I re- was taken to the recovery room fast forward back to um, delivery suit just waiting 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 to see what would happen okay two days later they're like okay we need to transfer you to the postnatal ward because baby's not coming and on that ward I was um, what's it called up head down position mm-hmm. so my head was further down just to take pressure away from my cervix those few weeks I must say it was the most uncomfortable <laughs> period of my life when you were upside down yeah so they weeks. had to tilt me they had to tilt my bed in a position where my head literally 
say not hold it down but just as well the consultant said it's just doing things you know that would, it might work it might not work but we'll try and it was so uncomfortable because imagine people coming into my room and I don't know who's in my room they have to literally come around to my head to introduce themselves or DD. and I remember those two weeks I was so scared to go to the toilet because I remember the consultant saying you know you can go to the toilet you can't come out of bed you have to stay in bed all day and there's a risk when you try to open your bowel the stitch might break oh gosh and I would literally when they bring food I'm like no I don't want food because I felt well if I don't if I don't have food then there will be no need for me to open my bowel my bowel because <laughs> there's nothing for my body to process but it was the most uncomfortable I said I would do it if that's what's gonna keep my child alive I would do it fast forward so we came I was discharged home you know the, I remember that morning the consultant came and the team they're like do you want to go I didn't even allow them to finish I was like yeah I need to go I wanna go home <laughs> I remember my husband joking that can we can we go home with the bed as well so we can keep the same position at home <laughs> but um, they discharged me and fast forward the next day I was back in hospital in labor oh wow and yeah she wasn't you know she. I remember the midwife saying 30 more minutes and she'll be exactly 23 weeks 30 more minutes 30 more minutes we're not sure if we can keep her or if we can save her but you never know 30 more minutes and I was holding on to that 30 more minutes okay. just say that to at least 30 minutes just say just say oh, wow and they took out the stage they were already prepared they were already ready you know we had consultants who had been there from the morning shift they decided to stay behind just the more and available the better opportunity the baby had yeah. um, it wasn't guaranteed because they told us that she was born that night and she wasn't breathing they were not going to resuscitate um, yeah they said a lot of they gave us a lot of statistics a lot of you know quality life might not be great everything negative to be honest and at the end of the conversation they're like oh girls do better than boys and then African girls do better than I was like in my head I was thinking so why didn't you start with this why start with the negative and then uh, 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 into positivity you could have started with that and then you know but I just said everything they were saying it got to a point where I was physically there my body was there but my mind wasn't there I was just praying that God you've told me nothing's going to happen to this girl but I need you to really showcase yourself she didn't come that day two days later she was born um, she weighed 540 grams she was so tiny I saw her briefly before she was rushed to Nicole and I remember the midwife saying they're talking about Nicole which is good that means she's okay because if she's not okay then they wouldn't be talking about taking her to NICU for those who don't know what Nicole is is neonatal intensive care unit so it's a unit where premature babies or sick babies are treated but this hospital where my baby was born can only look after babies from 27 weeks so yeah. they're not equipped to look after a baby born at 23 and 2 days but they did their best and I really thank God for them because they really did their best prior to her being born the day after I landed back in hospital since the baby wasn't coming they, asked, they offered us to be transferred to another hospital but my husband and I said no and the midwife that was supposed to do the transfer with us said we made the right decision because if we had agreed to the transfer we're just I'll just be transferred in a normal ambulance so if I go into labor in the ambulance there is no special equipment to save the baby or to cater, cater for the baby so it was the right decision we made um she spent five hours in the hospital she was um she was delivered at just to stabilize her and then mm-hmm. they transferred her to level three hospital. and from that moment so it's just one step forward 20 steps backward you know there was a lot of things happening so, um was called with three a long collapse they're going to do surgery to have it closed you know it's so amazing that and that's why i said i can't share her story and not add god to it because the doctors did the can they saw the long they booked the surgery for her to have the long daughter and we got to the surgery. we got to the hospital the doctor said the surgeon said he's never done this kind of surgery and a baby this small the likelihood of her coming out alive is very late and i said don't worry she's going to come out alive and i remember the doctor looking at me like you must be crazy i said don't worry i know what i'm doing i know i'm saying she's going to come out alive and they got in there after the surgery the surgeon came to me and said i couldn't find any collapsed lung wow and i smiled and he looked at me like why is 
myself because I know why. He said he didn't find any lung, any collapsed lung, but he still injected the medication. So whatever they injected, the medication will find the lungs wherever it is and try to glue it together because it's like a glue. Um, but then prior to this, we had a call where they told us, you know, your baby will make it before you get up. To give us permission to get the priest to bless her before she goes. We were like, no, what? she's not going anywhere. And that day, yeah, so they just called her to give them concern because the doctor was like, it's nice for them to be blessed before they go. Like, she's not going anywhere. And, you know, on that day, again, I thank God for God and I thank God for my husband because I don't know what I would have done if my husband wasn't with me or if I didn't marry the kind of man I married because on that day, I saw in life and direct that she was not responding. And, you know, they tried different machines. She just wasn't responding to the machines. They would do it manually. She would respond. But the consultant can say, we can't keep doing it manually. It's not practical. And they're going to do more damage than good. That, you know, it's best to just call it a day. It's not going to make it anyway. And I kept saying, no, don't call the priest because she kept calling. It's nice to get the priest before she goes. I'm like, she's not going anywhere. You know, at one point, I was like, can you please leave me alone? Go to my husband. And one of the doctors on that ship during the procedure was like, she's fighting. We're going to fight with her until she decides she's not fighting again. And I really thank God for that doctor, that junior doctor that said that because the consultant and duty had given up. She had given up a long time ago. And I kept saying, well, I'm not giving you permission to get a priest. So she's not going anywhere. We had end of life meeting. We lived two hours away from the hospital she was at. So they said they wouldn't advise her to go home, you know, go to the Gaza hotel next, next hospital. And then my husband was like, he's going up because nothing's going to happen to his child. As a mom, not that I thought she was going to die, but you know, as a mom, I wanted to be closer to her. Of course. And I said, okay, I will stay at the hotel. I escorted him to the train station mm-hmm. and he told me, he said, please don't go back to the hotel. I would have yeah. given excuses why <laughs> I needed to be there, why I needed to go back. Yeah. And I didn't argue. I just said, okay. And I got to the hotel room and I said, God, again, if you want people to ask me where you are and where you are, don't do anything. I'm not even going to say anything anymore. I leave her in your head. Do whatever you want to do. And my cousin, I remember one of my cousins in America calling me. She was asking me, how is she? And I was like, she's fine. She's responding. And I said all the positive things ever. Wow. I was like, she's doing so well. She's doing amazing. She's growing well. It felt as if I was making a declaration. And I finished that conversation and I went to bed. Normally, I would call. They know me that I'm calling every 30 minutes, every hour. I usually get wow. to the hospital very early. The next day, I strolled in at 11 o'clock in the morning. And they oh, were wow. looking at me like, when your child was okay, you come here early. You call us non-stop. And they said, oh, mom, we didn't see you yesterday. You said you're coming back. I said, oh, I just decided not to come back. And they said, well, we don't know what happened. We don't know what you've done. But when you left, you picked up. Wow. <laughs> and I just laughed. And I just laughed. And they looked at me like, why are you laughing? I said, you wouldn't understand. And again, that's why I said, I can't share her story about bringing God into it because it was God all the way. Because the consultant gave up. But God showed him so strong and mighty. He spent almost nine months in five different hospitals. was back and forth, wow. back and forth. As I said, as the story is a very, 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 very long story. You know, it was always one negative report after the other. But then again, my husband was my rock. Pray with me, pray for me, you know, running up and down, making sure I was okay, making sure our baby was okay. This was our first baby. And, you know, I don't have anyone that's had a premature baby. Not that I know of. It was yeah. after I had her. It was after I had her that my mom was like, oh, you know, one of your cousins was born at 32 weeks. <laughs> That's the thing that always happens. The same thing happening. And I was like, wow, mommy, it would have been really helpful to know this like a long time ago, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And at that point, I was thinking 32 weeks. 32 weeks is almost full term. That's still a better chance for 32 weeks. This is a 23 weeks where they don't classify viable. Because you can terminate a pregnancy in the UK 24 weeks. Wow. Yeah, you can. So they don't, any pregnancy less than 24 weeks, they don't think there's a point in saving the baby. Wow. Yeah. Another, another, Another miracle that happened was we were told when I give birth, she's less than 500 grams mm-hmm. or she's not breathing, they're not going to touch her. When, they, when I gave birth, they weighed her and she was 540 grams. But then when she got to the receiving office, it was 474 grams. Wow. So in my head, I'm thinking even God had to 
to work on the girl because wow. if they had weighed her and she was 474 grams they would they not have taken her. her wow they would have just allowed her go wow and it's just it's just it's just amazing you know that i i i, I look back i reflect on her journey and i'm just like i said god i thank you I, at every stage there's there's always one doctor that i would give up and that would always be the doctor in charge oh, wow and god would always turn the case the situation around and you know like i said she spent some of my mom in five different hospitals was always one issue back and forth one surgery you know we were told she was never going to walk back so oh, at wow. one point they wanted to do tracheostomy because they said she was never going to get off breathing machine because she was on the breathing machine for a very 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 long time to the point where they're diagnosed as independent on it so she can't leave without um, a breathing support but again god turned that around as well because when the surgeon came they needed to do the surgery the surgeon was like she's never done this kind of surgery on a tiny baby like this and she doesn't think it's necessary and that consultant got upset like that's not why I asked her to come and do I just asked her to come and explain the procedure and wow. you know thinking why are you getting upset that the surgeon is saying that the surgery is not necessary let's wait but you wanted to push forward for a tracheostomy and once you go on a tracheostomy it's a, a different ball game in its own entirety parents that have baby tracheostomy I give them I raise my hand there because it is not easy it's so much work involved and you know it's just a whole ball game on its own but to her she's one step forward and step backwards you know she wasn't going to breathe by herself the doctors at one point I felt they were using her as a guinea pig wow because they've not experienced they've not seen a baby that kind of case so they were just using her as a trial an error yeah an experiment like oh let's just see if this works let's just see if that works and that's why I I can't share a story without bringing God into the matter because God really showed himself through and if not for God and technology because I'm not going to do that you know science and technology did play a part but I don't think science and technology would have done it alone if God wasn't involved I'm a person of faith as well and to be honest like I actually really don't know what faith that's just the honest truth I really don't know what faith because just wow really just wow you have such strong faith what I'm really curious about is these things that people are telling you like you know no your baby's not going to survive oh no your wife should be transferred oh no you guys should have the surgery okay no we're gonna you know do the surgery on her lungs how do you guys handle making all decisions and staying calm under pressure you're in these situations I think parents really need training in how to make decisions under pressure because mm. these things that have been thrown at you they could break anyone or you know you could just be like mm. okay you know no the doctor should just make decisions but you guys still have the presence of mind to know like no this person is not fighting my child no this is yeah. experimental no I think we're gonna wait no I think we're going to be you know going to be calm so hey, honestly I, I mean if this was me I would I would have just probably been crying in one corner like I don't even know what to do <laughs> what to say or what to be you know and people tell me that oh no Josh you're really good under pressure but I'm like oh well this is pressure times <laughs> this is pressure times 100 1 billion to infinity it is, it is. For, for, for us what we did is before we make any decision we would usually pray yeah. we would usually pray and ask God the leading director and help us to make the right decision because we felt at every junction where we had to make a decision we had to be careful because the decisions we made reflecting back the decision we made was what would have made or broken her. So if we had made the wrong decision, then that would have been the end of it. And it was at, at every um, significant junction yeah. we had make a decision. And again, like I said, we would always pray, we would always go back to God, we would always talk and say, okay, if we do this, what do we need to do? We we, we, we talk to each other, we reflect on things and we didn't allow the pressure from the medical staff to sway us, to affect us for making the right decision. And again, like I said, we would always go back to God to help us because we knew we couldn't do it because if you're not careful it's easy for as a parent to say well the doctor is this 
is their job, this is their area of specialty, this is what they studied, so they know it inside out, so they would make the right decision. But no, they don't, they would not decision for your child. And I think as parents, don't leave all the decision making to doctors or healthcare professionals. If you're not happy with what they say or the decision they, they want to make, you're allowed to take a second opinion. You're allowed to have the time to go over it, to think about it, to see someone else. Don't yeah. just make a decision on the court. Don't agree to anything on the court, especially if you're not sure. Especially if, and always, as mothers, always listen to your maternal instinct because yeah. there would always be that in telling you no or yes. So don't don't be sensitive to that to that nudge and go with it. Don't don't brush it aside or don't allow anyone to be under pressure to make decisions on the court. Your daughter is amazing because to think that she went through quite an eventful start to yeah. life. I really want to know what was going You guys spent nine months. You said you were in five different hustles. When yeah. they were finally like, okay, you can take your baby home. What was that day like? What was the first night going home? Like? The first, because we had to uh, discharge it. The first discharge mm-hmm. I was excited, you know, over the moon. I told my husband to bring the car seat today before so I can, you know, get myself prep, everything prepped. <laughs> I'd already, I'd already packed all the things from the hospital. And I was like, yeah, we're going home. I told her, we're finally going home. This and that. And then on the day of discharge, and everything was there. Discharge um, summary had been printed. Everything, we're just ready to go. And then the nurse, God bless her, was like, oh, I'm just going to do the final observation before you guys leave. Because they've already booked a taxi for us. And I'm just going to do the final observation before you leave. And then it's like, oh, yeah, sure, that's fine. I know it's at this point, I'd become almost a doctor. So I sort of know <laughs> exactly what was happening. I know what age look man I know mm-hmm. the numbers of machines but I was ready for the team and then she did the observation I looked at the machine I looked at her face and I was like okay now something is wrong oh, and then she was like I was like is everything okay she's like yeah 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 yes mom I just, I just, I just need to check something with the doctor I was like here we go we're not going home today <laughs> and the doctor came just like oh hi you know I was trying to retalk the old situation and in my head I was like just go straight to the point, to the I, already point. Know, <laughs> I already know there's something wrong just don't don't beat around the bush just go straight to the point and I was like yeah, we just found out she has pulmonary hypertension, so she can't, she won't be going on today. Uh, and my heart just ran. I was like, that's fine. They're like, you're right, mom. I say, yeah, that's, that's fine. Just do what you need to do to keep her safe. I'm happy and grateful to God for that now. And when the second discharge date came, to be honest, I wasn't excited. I wasn't, I didn't put too much effort into it because I was like, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. And I really didn't believe it until we got into the house. <laughs> And I and I put her in a crate. Yeah. Yes. Now we're home. <laughs> and that was that was when I finally believed and accepted. We're not in hospital anymore. Mm-hmm. Let's get into your second pregnancy. So I found out I was pregnant with my second child, a second week. Wow. My first baby is home, breastfeeding, and you know people say I'm weird like that. Mm-hmm. I would always taste my breast milk. If I put anything in my baby's mouth, I would always taste it. Doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. So my friends think I'm weird. I'm tasting my breast milk. Now like if I can give it to my baby, it's coming mm-hmm. from me. Mm-hmm. Why can't I taste it? And on this particular day, I tried to feed her, but then do my normal tasting. And I was a bit sour. Hmm. And I was like, why is it sour? So I didn't breastfeed it that day, and I was worried. But luckily, she got um other milk, which is high-calorie high milk. Yeah. So I fed her there, and then I called the GP to say, this is what's wrong. And I've been feeling really tired, which I've been putting down to the hospital stress. And she was like, hmm, we're just gonna, we're just gonna run some tests, and I just check you, okay. And then she checked me, she was like, you may be pregnant. I said, nah, I know I'm not. 
last year I said, though, like, you in labor. I was like, no. And she was like, oh, we can't. there's no point taking the speech out. But um, I had her through um, cesarean section. And with her, completely opposite to my first. She wow. does no, does no medical need, nothing. No, no need of oxygen. They even, they said they, they tried connecting her to oxygen, but she didn't want to. She didn't tolerate it. And every time I would call them to, I remember them saying, mom, there's nothing to say. She's okay. Whereas with my first, mm-hmm. oh, it was always stories. There's always something to hear. Something to say. <laughs> Oh gosh, it was always, always something to say. Something was always happening with her. They felt a bit weird. Yeah. Like, even I felt I was disturbing the nurses at home point. Every time I called her, like, Mom, there's nothing to say. She's fine. She's, she's eating and growing well. And she stayed at the hospital where she was born. They were both born at the same hospital. They were able to look after her there because she, yeah. she was born at 29 weeks and two days. And she came home two months before her due date. Wow. And I remember, obviously, when I brought my first home, she was a chunky baby. Yeah. When I brought, when we bring in the second home, I couldn't carry the casket. She, she was just too small. Like, yeah. she was supposed to be here. Yeah. Term, she's not even a full-time baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, because the hospital were not doing anything for her. The hospital is you're either, I think, 34 weeks or four pounds. Yeah. And she, 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 she got to 30, 34 weeks. And they're like, okay, bye. I see, yeah. Was it 34 weeks? Or, I can't remember if it was the weeks or the weight. I think it was the weight. Because she was yeah. due, she wasn't doing too much, but she came on January. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was, it was so scary carrying her, you know, having a tiny baby at home. Whereas my first, when she was that high, she was in hospital, connected to lots of machines, <laughs> lots of wires. And it was just so different. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I couldn't just stop looking at the both of them. Like, oh my gosh, I have two tiny little ones. Oh, wow. In my hand. And it's just, it's just, it's just amazing. And yeah, it's really amazing. I, I don't have much to say about my second because there's nothing much to say. <laughs> and, you know, I, I remember one of my friends saying, you know, God used her to compensate you for all you went through with your first. I was like, yeah, God knew. Because if not, my first would be my first. I'm my only child. <laughs> I would have. I wouldn't want to do that again. You think when people say, "Oh, you didn't waste time," I say, "Yeah, I, I didn't realize that I, I wasn't planned like that. <laughs> I wasn't planned like that. I would have. I would have just had one, one baby, and that's it. But yeah, and you know, my experience with with my first just made me start colorful beginners because initially it was just a support group. Yeah. My second actually came a month after I started the group. Oh wow. And you know, it's just because when with my first, I didn't have anyone to talk to that understood yeah. what I was going through. Yeah. And because the doctor reports were just negative 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 i didn't want to be repeating that because yeah. i felt me repeating that meant unconsciously i've accepted what they said again yes. that's my way of thinking that was my way of my coping strategy so i didn't want to repeat whatever they said to anybody or any family member or anything so i just yeah. you know and there wasn't any story all the stories i saw they're like from 28 weeks there was no story about 23 weeks and yeah. again like you said they're caucasian and i was thinking if they're saying african girls do better where are there not stories of african girls where you know as no um has there not been case of African an African girl born at 23 weeks yeah. it was just it wasn't a story and I thought no I want to do something for other families because I don't want them to go through what myself and my husband went through with my back because with my second I felt like I was more experienced I knew yeah, what, the, like I knew what the machine <laughs> exactly like uh, come on now we when the nurses are talking like yeah this and that and they're like they're looking like, like yeah I have I have a, a first screaming and yeah it was just it was just there but I really thank God I reckon without God, 
but I don't think I'll be here, you know. People said, Oh, you're strong, you're strong woman. I'm like, nah, I don't think I don't think I'm strong. It's God and my husband, you know. I can't I can't take I can't take that from God and my husband because he really, really, really stood by me, stood by us as a family. And you know, you know when you marry someone and then you never see them in a different dimension, like, okay. Oh yeah. I, I I actually two questions. I was like, How long had you guys been married before you had your birth? Oh, same year we got married, we got pregnant, we had a baby. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so it was it was an event eventful year. Very eventful year. <laughs> Alice, Alice, talking. You know, he got married, got pregnant, and we had the baby same year. We could, we should have had the baby the following year, but the baby was like, no, nope, I'm coming um, the same. I'm year. ready. <laughs> so it, it was, you know, nearly where you know you're still in the honeymoon phase, and then your face. You know, I mean, you guys handled it really, really well because I mean, Gosh. there are couples that have been married for ages that I mean, you know, type of situation could have broken them, but you know, mm. grace. That's that's the word that comes. It's just grace. The yeah. decisions and you know the state of mind that you need to be and calmly navigate make medical decisions for your family kudos to your hubby man kudos to him like i'm, I'm sending <laughs> him a virtual chop because <laughs> you, you know, i'll deliver it <laughs> <laughs> they handle a lot under pressure taking care yeah. of us and, you know your kid is in hospital your wife is a hospital you're not sure what will happen you know exactly. so i i definitely appreciate his care for his girl so having two girls at home setting into regular family life now what has that been like any of them old enough to sort of know their story and know the exciting way or the colorful way that I did come to the world um, no no at the moment because my first did have um just got delay okay. so obviously we can't and then developmental delays also what you say why is it to the point I can't really yeah. bombard her with a lot of her story so obviously by showing her pictures initially she'd be like mommy who is this is this baby I'm like no that's you <laughs> as a baby so when she sees she loves to look at those pictures yeah. when she sees so she laughs and she said that's me as a baby yeah. and you know I can't wait maybe to share the story with them they don't look like what they've been through. that's always <laughs> the thing like it's only you the parents that remember the details and the experience you know and they're yeah. just like oh I'm just gonna go jump over this tree I'm just <laughs> going to you know try and cut myself or something exactly. you know they're, they're oblivious you know to the journey that got them there your page and your initiative Colorful Begin is a wealth of resource for parents that find themselves on NICU so I'm not even going to ask you what you would tell a parent who's currently in NICU I'm just going to go on Instagram and find colorful <laughs> beginnings but what I would ask you is what have you learned since you started running colorful beginning and what are some of the moments that have made you just feel like yeah this was all really worth it I know you say you know you're not going to ask me what to say to current families on NICU or there's something I'll say it's really to yeah, the mom yeah. it is not your fault that you had a premature baby mm. it is not your body did not fail you yeah. you know you didn't do anything wrong you're not the cause of it so don't ever blame yourself for not keeping your baby to time also yeah. please please please, um, please find a support there. it doesn't have to be a village it can be one person that you trust that you can be yourself around you can break down if you need to in the presence of the person and this person understands you yeah. you know and always try to have time for yourself it doesn't have to be one day it doesn't have to be a week it doesn't have to be going on holiday it could be just five minutes of yeah. you just being alone with your thoughts your imagination and just taking everything in and looking after yourself you could be yeah. meeting up with a friend just for a cup of coffee you need it because yeah. you can't give what you don't have you can't run on an end 
the cup. You know, you can't, you need to fill your own cup to be able to be the best for your child. Don't, don't, because I went into an autopilot mode and I literally just ignored myself. And it was all about, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be there for your child. That's what you do as a mom. But please find that moment where you tend to just fill yourself up. And for those who family, friends, you know, those who come into contact with anyone with a me baby, please, please, and please. You know, I know you want to help, but please don't say your baby's okay. Oh, your baby will be fine. Don't worry. Those are not the things me moms, especially once they hear that. They just want you to hear, I may not know what you're going through, but I'm here for you. Whenever you need me, I am here. And please be there for them when they need you. Sometimes you don't need to talk. You just need to listen. Yeah. You don't, sometimes you don't even need to give advice. You just need to listen. Because yeah. a lot of time when preemie moms bend out, they don't need advice. They already know what's going to happen. They already know what they want to do. Yeah. But they just need to bend out. They just need to bend what's on their mind out. And in the process of you trying to advise them, you can make the matter worse. So sometimes it's just good to just listen and listen and listen. I had to I had to throw that in because, you know. I know. I, I, I like that. That is so important, honestly. Yeah, because, you know, I do speak with a lot of primary parents and like, yeah, my mom's saying this, my sister's saying this and this. And sometimes I'm having to say, I know, now I understand. They, they're coming from the best place. Yeah. But sometimes the way we take it, yeah. it's not the way it's been delivered because we're in a different world. We're in a different state of mind. We don't see things the way other people are saying it because those people are not going through what we're going through. They're not experiencing the pain we're experiencing. So they would never understand how we feel and what we're going through. They can only imagine, but they can never understand. understand. So don't even tell somebody I understand. I know what you're going through. You don't know. So, <laughs> no, because some of these things, some of these little words, they can be a trigger. Honestly, Ola, you've made me laugh. You've made me cry. <laughs> you know, and I think that's just what's so beautiful about having, you know, making space for community with like-minded people is that mm. I can relate to so many things that you said. I can relate to so many experiences that you said. And if I just kept sitting in my own little corner thinking, oh, this only happened to me, which is how so many of us tend to feel. It's like, oh, everybody to their baby home immediately. Everybody got a chance to use their Nathaniel Bassley list during delivery. You know, <laughs> everybody got to have their baby shower. But I'm like, hey, these are the things that happen to me and understand that I need to, especially for parents that find themselves in you. You have to try and find your community. More and more spaces are coming up for people of color that can really get into it and talk to someone openly and really that looks like you, sounds like you, their child may have a name like your own. Comforting to just be able to find somebody and be like, eh, that's what I was True. going to do. I didn't have the language exactly. to explain it. I was too shy to talk about it, but now I can. So, no, you. And, you some, and sometimes, sometimes it's not even about us being shy. You should, sometimes you know this person is not going to understand. If, if I come to you and say, oh, my baby, the doctor is saying my baby's going to go on CPAP. If you're, if you're in the in that nickel world, you know what CPAP is. You'll be like, oh, conversation can flow easily. Yes. But if you're talking to someone like, oh, what's a CPAP? What does CPAP do? You think, oh, gosh, that's the last thing you want to do. <laughs> just you don't want to start explaining. You just want to flow with the conversation. You just, you just, like I said, the mom already knows the baby is going on CPAP. Them talking about it, it's just sometimes they're looking for that assurance that, don't worry, oh, my baby went on CPAP as well. And, you know, my baby did well on it, this and that. But if I'm having them saying, so what's a CPAP? What does a CPAP, what does it do? How does it work? And then it's like, uh, I really don't want to be explaining. I just, and that's why it's good, like you said, to find your own community. Find people. I'm not saying don't talk to other people, but find one or two people that you know that they understand. And, you know, again, if you, if you 
if you're looking for a community, colorful beginnings is there. We're, we're a big, wonderful community. You know, you can send us questions. You can send us your stories. You can send us yeah. medical, non-medical questions. You can, you know, whatever it is you're going through, whatever thing it is that you need answers to, just contact us, reach out to us. And the, the families will share their stories. They're so amazing. Yeah. You know, they're all over the world. And sometimes I just post a question to say, oh, this mom is going through this. And people just, oh, yeah, my baby went through this. This is what you do. You know, you need to seek a second opinion. You need to speak to the doctor. And, you know, some of the things, because no one has monopoly of knowledge. Some of the yeah. things you, you haven't even thought of. You're thinking, oh, that's it. That's what it is. And then sometimes you feel like, I'm worried. Or I'm not, the, my baby's not the only one going through it. And it's something, some of these things, you're thinking, I shouldn't really be worried because it's part of the things a premier baby would experience. But if you don't know, and you don't talk to people who have experienced the situation you're going through, you think it's the end of the world. I'm so glad you shared your story. The last question I was going to ask you was, were you ever given any reason why you sort of were having the early deliveries or your waters were breaking early? Stay no, with. they did. They did test and it's like, no reason. Can't find anything. Yeah, I know. That's it, that's like me. Mine was just like, oh yeah, spontaneous vaginal delivery. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do with that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, some moms, I think that's another thing that hits home with what you said. Like, it's not your fault. Sometimes there's just no answer to the question, why did this happen? And you have to make yeah. You have to make it out. That's that's just what you even even if there is a reason, it's still not your fault. Exactly. Because I know some 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 people do have premature baby because they've had preeclampsia. They've had yeah. um they've got um incompetent service. It's still not your fault. Yeah. It's never your fault. It will never be your fault. It's just we just have to deal with the situation as it comes and be strong, not just for your baby. Because a lot of people say you need to be strong for your baby. You need to be strong for your baby. You also need to be strong for yourself. And if you do need help, if you see that you know what it's getting too much is becoming overwhelming please seek help don't be afraid to seek help it's not a bad thing to ask for help it actually means you're strong yeah. because you're able to recognize I can't do it alone yeah. and if you have a partner you have a spouse please get them involved you know go you're on the journey together yeah. you are on the journey together go on it together intentionally you know thank you so 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 much um, seriously I'm mind blown like I, I think you like we need a session with you and your husband about decision making on the <laughs> That's my takeaway. Decision making under stress. That's going to be my new campaign. You know, because my gosh, you know, and and I know you just told me bits and pieces. I'm sure there's by the time you even remember, like, oh, we even had conversation. Be sure. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it'll surprise you what God has done. And we'll we'll continue to talk about it, we'll continue to raise awareness, we'll continue to educate people because it's alarming the amount of babies born prematurely every year there's one in 13 babies born every single day and there's still not enough awareness and talks about premature birth and the nickel experience yeah. because it's very rare for you to talk when I say oh yeah, yeah, yeah I knew about nickel before I had my baby it's very yeah. rare it's very rare so you know again that's one of the things colorful beginning doing we're gonna keep talking we're gonna keep sharing stories to encourage families to raise awareness to educate the general public and just let people know you're not alone because it yeah. feels like you're alone but you're not alone we're all in this together and we will support everyone together we'll support each other and help each other get the best of the situation. Thank you so, 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 Thank so, you much. so much. Ola, my love to your hubby. Don't forget to give him his virtual chop knuckle. I'm going to. <laughs> and my love to the girls. Thank you so much Thank for, you. for having me. You've just listened to My Neonatal Story, an early birth foundation podcast. 
Please follow our Instagram page for free resources and subscribe to our show on iTunes and Google Play to make sure you don't miss the next episode. Thanks for tuning in today.